The opinions in this program are not necessarily shared by the Cortez Radio Board of Directors or staff. You're listening to 89.5 CKTZ Cortez Community Radio. This is Max Tyson for Cortez Currents. You know, talk about conservation. I'm like, I'm, I'm cool to talk about conservation. Um, I'm kind of in my own little bubble just going, yes, this is a cool plant. The only constant in nature is change. On today's show, we're exploring the concept of conservation planning. What is it? What's involved? And why is it important? Conservation planning is very much about trying to be strategic in your approach to how you're doing conservation work rather than just picking on a particular site and trying to protect it. It's about looking at the uh, a whole area. So for us, it would be an island, looking at that kind of scale and trying to figure out what conservation values you have on in that particular area. So that could be the different sensitive ecosystems and species that you have and trying to figure out where those are, what condition they're in and also what threat they might be under so that you can actually kind of assess that and then plan for how you're going to conserve those habitats and species into the future. So that's it very broadly. With a conservation plan, you're looking a lot at the um, ecosystems, and the ecosystems support the species. So you're looking at um, trying to understand, basically, if you've got ecosystems that are healthy and functioning and in good condition, then the chances are that the species will also be um, healthy and functioning too. I mean, that doesn't always apply, but it, it it's a good principle. So I think with a conservation plan, you're trying to look landscape-wise at um, what ecosystems you have and what condition they're in and um, then trying to find from that what you know if you've got some really great areas or you know biodiversity hotspots we'd call them where you, you know they're really rich for what for, for different ecosystems um, it's really important to find that and also from a species at risk point too um, looking at how those areas are connected through wildlife corridors so you're looking at sort of these nodes of biodiversity and then corridors as well and you're trying to find that information so basically, yeah, the species will, will sort of come along with the um, ecosystems that are there. So that, that's that's the broadest broad principle is looking at the ecosystems and hoping the, the species um, kind of follow. But there are also certain actions you can take for species on top of that. Can you introduce yourself, please? Yeah, sure. My name's uh, Helen Hall, and I work as the executive director of Friends of Cortez Island. And I've spent my whole career working in the conservation field. Um, as you can probably tell by my accent, I am um, from the UK, so I spent um, over 20 years working in the conservation field there, doing everything from uh, strategic conservation planning through to um, campaigning for nature, to working with communities, managing nature reserves, and doing a lot of conservation policy work as well, and also working a lot with developers and planners trying to assess the environmental impact of development proposals. Yes, yeah, so I've got quite a wide range of uh, interest. And then I've been in Canada for the last seven years, and for five years of that I've been working for Friends of Cortez. The Friends of Cortez Island Society, or FOCI, is a charitable society that exists to monitor, preserve, and restore the health of local ecosystems and provide educational programs that foster a greater understanding of the natural environment. Helen is the executive director of the Friends of Cortez Island Society, and I am a member of the board. FOCI is intending to initiate the creation of a conservation plan for Cortez Island. Let's get a bit more detailed. 
Yeah, you're going to have different plant communities on the islands and different uh, habitats or ecosystems. So you've got forest ecosystem, and then you've got bluff ecosystem, um, and then you've got um, you know lakes and streams and sort of wetlands as well. So you've got bunch. You're going to have a range of different ecosystems on the island, and what you can do is look at those together and separately, think and say, okay, say for wetlands. You know, what, what's the status of wetlands on Cortez and what sort of uh, coverage do we have and, you know, what's happened to them? Maybe they've, a lot of them being drained, so they're under threat. So you'd be looking at that and going, okay, well, they're, they're a really sensitive ecosystem. They're under threat. So in terms of planning for the future, you might be thinking, okay, maybe we need to make sure we have good a good representation of uh, wetlands on the island. And, and how do we do that? You know, are they okay as they are? Maybe there's no immediate threats or maybe there are some threats that we need to look at and it could be that we're looking at restoring wetlands because you know we've lost a lot and it's a habitat that we really want to see on the island so yeah there's a whole range of ways of looking at it i think without a plan you're not totally guessing but you're kind of guessing what the status of things are without really knowing so a plan just gives you that bit more detail to figure out what's really happening and how you can plan for the future we really want to make sure we're putting our limited resources into the areas that really need that most so it helps us prioritize and you know that that's ultimately good for the island and the the natural environment of the island if we can really pick on those areas where it needs attention then you know that's great it just has so many so many sort of benefits that can come out of it out of a plan like this it kind of lets you plan a bit for the future and particularly with climate change coming along and you know a whole potential bunch of impacts coming out of that uh, you know i think uh, conservation planning is now kind of a really vital tool and it's just a matter of trying to work out like what it would look like so we're still you know feeling our way we're definitely just starting in this process and really feeling our way with it and very much want to engage other people in it too so climate change is definitely a threat definitely in in a this kind of plan be looking at um climate projections and and try and to figure out, um, you know, what what that what that's going to mean for the different species and ecosystems on the island, and I'm sure there's a bunch of research out there, um, you know, or other people working on this that we can get ideas from. But I think just being conscious of that, and you know, I know, for example, with you know the 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 composition of the forest may change, trees may die off. You know, if we're looking at replanting forest habitat, then we may be looking at slightly different species that we know will thrive more in the type of conditions that may be coming, uh, maybe arriving through climate change. And they know it's already happening, I think. So but I think even trying to start this process and trying to guess and figure out what it might be is really important. It's actually a really important part of trying to adapt to climate change. You know, if we can keep our habitats um, as in good condition as we possibly can and that's going to benefit the species. Climate change isn't the only threat we might look at in a conservation plan. There's probably a range of threats. I mean, you know, I don't see that there's a huge amount of development pressure on Cortez, but there could be in the future. There's potential threats from clearing land and uh, and building, although, as I say, it doesn't seem like that's a huge threat right now. But um, there, there's also potential threats to the marine environment. You've got marine pollution you've got the the oceans changing um, maybe becoming more acidic um, that's going to be a threat how much we can do about that i don't know but um, there's a bunch of threats there um, um, any large-scale industrial forestry would be 
a potential threat, obviously. So yeah, there's a there's a range of threats, and I think a plan like this would come up with really a picture of what what we've got, what what areas are important, and and then any proposals that came forward, you'd be able to then look and assess the impact of those proposals and figure out what the impacts are and hopefully avoid those areas that are, are very valuable and um, also then look at, you know, how would you mitigate the impacts? You know, maybe whatever it was wouldn't be allowed or maybe there'd be a way of, if it was forestry, doing more eco-forestry type management so so that would be more sensitive to what's there, trying to re- retain wildlife corridors, you know, protecting um, riparian areas and so on. So, yeah, I think it's a... I think there are threats and I think a conservation plan actually provides a tool to help assess what those are and hopefully address them as well. A conservation plan is really a community plan. We're really lucky to be on an island where we can kind of plan for a specific area. So yeah, I think it'd be a really interesting process and you know, very much wanting to engage all the different, different organizations on the island who, who would like to input and you know, the community as well. So a conservation plan seeks to take an inventory of the habitats and the species that we have, and it also tries to look into the future. And what about looking into the past? You know, the, I guess the classic thing along the coast is, you know, we would have had fabulous uh, old-growth forests, and, you know, what we have now is, you know, second or third growth, and some maybe some remnant trees in that. Conservation planning is an opportunity to reflect on and respond to the rapacious colonialism of the past and that of the present. It is an opportunity to learn from and support indigenous voices. Along the coast, there's been human habitation for thousands of years, and that's also influenced the landscape. You know, this is not something I have a lot of experience in, but I'm guessing that that has influenced the types of species and ecosystems that we have and that the species have adapted to that landscape and probably the richness has come out of that. And so, you know, that's something I, I am not very knowledgeable about, but I, I think it would be a, a great thing to to bring that into our understanding of why habitats are so rich and um, why we have certain species. And it, I, I think it's integral to the conservation value of, you know, the ecosystems that we have here. It's very much something that it would be great to learn more about and, and bring into a conservation planning process. And I think learning from First Nations about how the land has been managed and what their values are on the land and um, traditional ecological knowledge is also a really important part of this. And, you know, and there's a huge wealth of knowledge there that would be wonderful to tap into. A conservation plan is also about connecting more deeply with the place that we live. You know, I think it's something that hopefully people will be interested in it's, it's, it's like an information tool you know I know when I came to Cortez I didn't understand the island you know coming from another country too it's like I don't understand you know I know there's forest here and I know there's bluffs and things like that but I just didn't really understand the island so I think at a very basic level it would enable people to understand wow you know this island has got all these different species and ecosystems on it so, so people can understand it better and understand where the richest areas are, where the wildlife corridors are, and and have a real feel for the sort of biodiversity of this island to realize how special it is. Sounds like lots to learn. Where do we begin? The first step, I think, is trying to collate all the data and then also understand, you know, what's, what do we have that's already protected and then trying to figure out, you know, yeah, how much do we know already and try and piece that all together. 
And, you know, maybe we need to carry out more surveys to find out more information, but trying to get a really good baseline of data together. And we do have a lot, like I've mentioned. How do we then figure out that, you know, how valuable different areas are? Yeah, but just trying to get the data together to start with would be quite a challenge. I think it's open because we're very much in the kind of planning stage of this or, or just trying to get our ideas together. We feel that the, the principle is a good thing. You know, we're looking for other examples elsewhere that we can learn from. And I think I'd like to think of it as not just folk I doing this, but us doing it as much as we can with um, whoever else on the island is interested. And yes, there's some obvious partners for us with some of the other organizations. But, you know, if community members are interested then you know we'd certainly like them to get engaged it may be that we want to get some surveys carried out to get some more information and that we can get perhaps volunteers to do that so i'd like to see it as a something that you know excites people and does engage the community and it's not um just a sort of scientific exercise that we're then um just telling people what to do i think it has to involve the community in, in the process to really make it valuable document that people kind of want to read and engage with and hopefully um, trust the recommendations that might come out of it. For us as an organization, we're very much community-based and want to engage the community and um, other organizations. And certainly we'd love to work with Clahoos on this to kind of get people's knowledge and understanding of the, the difference of natural values that we have on the island, but also in the process of trying to figure out, yes, what is valuable and you know, what are the threats and what can we do about it and try and do that as a collaborative thing I think would be great because then it's not a plan that's just our plan, it's a plan that the community owns as well. And I think that's you know could be a very exciting and interesting process and so we're very open to um, having community feedback and engagement in this process and we're still learning, um, we don't know everything so you know having people's inputs and ideas and and thoughts on it would be wonderful. And what's needed to get started? We pulled together a budget for this. It's very much an initial budget. Um, and we were looking at a, a figure of around $20,000. And that was to uh, pay someone to coordinate the project, to pay for a, a conservation biologist to do some ecological work for us, and also to pay for the mapping process to p produce some maps as well and ultimately produce the, the document. So. That's very much a kind of guesstimate at the moment, but it's probably broadly in that range, around about $20,000 to, to pay for this. As Helen said, many people have already been working on pieces of the conservation plan. Sabina Leader-Mentz has been working on conservation projects on her own and through the Friends of Cortez Island Society for a long time. Yeah, Sabina has worked with us at FOCI for a, a long, long time. She works as our marine coordinator, so she does a lot of marine work for us. But she also, you know, has done a lot of ecological work on the island. And I know right now she's actually is working on this. She's um, going to be spending part of the summer trying to ground truth some of the sensitive ecosystems maps that were done some time ago to see, you know, are, are they accurate and, and what's out there and trying to find out more about some of the more remote parts of the island that we don't know much about. So she's um, going to be doing that this summer. It's like a pilot for this plan is trying to find out a bit more about it and can we work out on the ground, you know, how valuable places are and can we figure out where the corridors should be. And I know Sabina's already been doing some work, work on that with um, looking at corridors for some of the large predators on the island. So she's been a fantastic resource for Cortez and has a huge amount of knowledge. So 
she would be very, very much part of um, the process of pulling this conservation plan together. You know, she's a huge, wonderful resource for us. Um, yeah, it would be great to be working with Sabina on this, and she's very excited by it too. It really brings together a lot of her work over the last um, you know, couple of decades, really. Sabina and I have talk, been talking about this for about two, two or three years, and we keep talking about it and talking about it, like, what would it be, and blah, blah, blah. And now it's kind of, it's nice it's come into life, really. And you could get hold of her. You could say, Sabina, you know, um, can you just tell me what you're doing this summer? Okay, off you go then. <laughs> I did go off and reach out to Sabina. She's a very busy person, and she directed me to someone that she's been working with on this project. So my name is Liam Baron Preston. Um, I just finished my undergrad at University of Victoria, with, with which I came away with a um, Bachelor's of Science in Biology and Environmental Studies. Liam grew up on Cortez, and his childhood of connections to the land have led him to his passion as an adult. Yeah, I mean, I, I, everything I'm doing comes from just an enjoyment of being outside. And like, really, I get to play around a lot like I did when I was a kid here, because you know, I get to go out into Carrington, which is where I would go, you know, just normally. But now I, you know, now I've got a head for botany and ecological processes and a whole bunch of other things. And I basically just got back to Cortez and looking for a way to apply my skills, especially during this pandemic, um, because pretty much all the summer work for people like me was completely canceled just because of COVID. So that's when I got in contact with Sabina um, and we started working on this nebulous summer project that sort of ties into a few things. Liam described his summer projects for us and told us how they fit in with a conservation plan. So the very first project that um, I'm sort of working on is actually with the um, Children's Forest Trust Society. And I will be making just a little like two to three minute informational video for every single um, letter in the forest alphabet that we put out years ago. The second project that we're working on um, is sort of like an offshoot of the Salish Sea Biodiversity Project, which is a like big umbrella project that's just trying to look at what the whole biodiversity of the Salish Sea is and just getting, you know, what species are here, how many are there. The way that we're sort of managing it here is we're taking data from the bio blitzes that we've been doing as well as talking to other naturalists around Cortez. And right now we're trying to compile like a master species list of all the species we have on Cortez. You know, I'm currently, what I'm doing is working through that. Like I've got a few sedges just on my dining room table <laughs> that I've got um, set up next to a few ID books where I'm just keying some things out to get to species for some of these plants. So that's sort of the second project-ish you know, so that's just Cortez-wide biodiversity. We are trying to come up with like a full catalog of everything that's here. And then the last thing is more of sensitive ecosystem work that's happening up in Carrington. The whole plot north of Carrington is really not very well-traveled by most people. And um, there are a lot of sensitive ecosystems. If you go to Wild Cortez, um, the little exhibit um, in, in the bottom of Linnea, which I think is closed right now, but there's a sensitive ecosystem map there, which actually shows like where on Cortez we have bluff systems, where we have wetlands, riparian areas, all of these interesting sensitive ecosystems. We just want to go in there and basically figure out what is there. 
Ground truth is a term used in various fields to refer to information provided by direct observation as opposed to information provided by inference. So in this case, we have maps of sensitive ecosystems that may have been made by aerial photography. And ground truthing is the act of actually walking around on the ground and seeing what actually is there with human eyes. Everything to do with a conservation plan really relies on solid ground truthing. We need to ground truth because it's been a really long time since people have gone through and mapped those things. And the only constant in nature is change. We know that they will have changed. The question is how much. Um, so because you can't create a conservation plan or a restoration plan without knowing what you have to begin with. So you need to know sort of what building blocks are there, where are these different populations, how are they spread out, how is the geography of Cortez affecting major watersheds, and, um, you know, just how the connectivity of the island moves. Basically, you have to know everything about what is here before you start making a plan around it. I think you've told me about what kinds of goals we might achieve by having a conservation plan. Yes, as humans, we can absolutely choose to maximize biodiversity. The other side of it is, that's stressed is a concept of reciprocity with the land. This isn't just the place where you live and you go out and, okay, yeah, I'm going to take this, and I'm going to take this, and I'm going to do that. I think there's a lot of people who go out and harvest mushrooms every year. Like, you know your patch. Um, you know, if you, you don't want to take everything because you need to have some spores that are released again back into the environment so that you can have some more fruits next year. We do need to look at our relationship with the land not as, well, we can put this here and we can use this space for that. You know, you do have to have a certain amount of respect um, and you need to stress a reciprocal relationship. The reason everyone is looking at biodiversity as this, you know, oh, biodiversity is good, yes. Um, is because there's a there's a positive relationship between biodiversity and ecosystem function and resiliency. And that makes sense, because if you have, you know, say that there is some disturbance that knocks out all of some species of beetle that has a really important job in the ecosystem, well, if that's not the only species that performs that function, then the ecosystem can continue can continue along perfectly fine while the population of that beetle rebounds. Liam taught me, though, that it's not just about biodiversity. It's also about biomass. The biomass is incredibly important because, you know, you can have a whole forest or you can have, you know, one of every individual or a pair of individuals from every single species in that forest. You have the same biodiversity, but it's about the biomass. It's about allowing life to continue in its natural processes. A conservation plan also helps us overcome our cognitive bias called shifting baselines. A shifting baseline is a problem in environmental monitoring where we lose track of where we actually started from. You know, you have a shifting baseline every single time a new generation comes in because everybody is going to be able to remember, okay, well, the world was sort of like this when I was younger and now it's different. But somebody born 20 years later won't have any of the context that somebody born earlier will have. A conservation plan helps to reverse and prevent shifting baselines by having clear, measurable data on the state of ecosystems. Next, I asked Liam what the work has been like for him. As far as going north of Carrington, we, we have done one kind of large hike with uh, Sabina and Iris and I. Yeah, walking around on Cortez. Um, 
I mean, I live in Whale Town, so most of my my time spent looking at biodiversity is, you know, the biodiversity of the greater Whale Town area. So we've got the Whale Town Commons, which I'm actually going to be going in there a little bit later today because I saw five or six different sedge species growing in some of the wetlands in and around the commons that, you know, I haven't seen in other parts of the island. Um, in terms of biodiversity on Cortez, we've got, I mean, we've got a very diverse landscape, um, which allows for a whole slew of different microclimates. And for Liam, it's a lifestyle. Now, it's kind of interesting because it's like, okay, well, what do we what do we count as, you know, time out in the woods doing this? Like, I, you know, I go for a walk in in and around the commons and around the forest right here in my backyard pretty much every day. But as far as doing larger treks, like into the area north of Carrington and maybe over to Bondonup and a couple of other places, well, those are actually kind of harder to get to. So especially on Cortez, it can be difficult to be like, well, this is a field day and this wasn't a field day. Yesterday, I was out in the commons and it was really nice and I saw a species of crane fly I'd never seen before. Um, and I actually have yet to figure out what it was that I saw, but it was, you know, a large crane fly that had, you know, it was mostly red along its side with some yellow dots and just, you know, was a little confusing. So, I mean, it was it was confusing and interesting because I'd never seen it before. Like, you know, I was just out by the dump, you know, doing recycling. Then when we were driving back out, I, you know, I stopped the car and jumped out because I saw that some of the sedges in the wetlands there had started flowering. So I, you know, just jumped, hopped out of the car, jumped down <laughs> over the ditch, um, and, you know, took uh, a flower sample of um, one of the sedges there. And it turns out, you know, that's Carex obnupta. Um, that's slow sedge. I'm pretty sure, at least. I haven't set up my uh, microscope yet to completely confirm that. But look around, and th there are interesting species all around us. Basically, the more you know about something, the more you can appreciate it. And growing up in Cortez invariably gave me a background where I am comfortable in the outdoors, and I delight in finding new things big and small and just, you know, enjoying spending time and studying the outdoors. It's critical that there are passionate naturalists like Liam out there, but he doesn't think that's going to get us across the finish line. I'm doing this because I find it really interesting and it's good work experience. Um, but I mean, you know, if, we, if we're really going to be taking this on seriously, we probably should create a few, just a couple... Maybe even just like, maybe even like one semi-permanent position where it's just, you know, you actually pay someone to go and do stuff. Because currently, like a lot of this is being done through interest. Lists people who are interested and passionate about biodiversity on Cortez. You know, it would be interesting to see if they're, you know, if, if we could have somebody on it full time would be really cool. So there you go. That's a conservation plan. It's about connecting with nature, taking stock of what we got, and being strategic about how to preserve what we can in challenging times. And we're also aware that conservation planning runs up against a whole bunch of critical decolonization, reconciliation, education that we need to do for ourselves. And we are committed to doing that as best we can. We have to acknowledge that we've got a long ways to go in that department, 
I did reach out to Mark Lombard and Carrie Saxifrage from the Cortez Community Forest Cooperative to hear what sort of conservation initiatives they have going on. But there's so much good stuff that that will have to wait for another episode. Thanks very much to uh, Liam Baron Preston for talking to us about uh, his work with Sabina, ground truthing sensitive ecosystem maps, and doing a biodiversity survey. And many thanks to Helen Hall, Executive Director of the Friends of Cortez Island Society, for telling us about the vision of the conservation plan. This has been Max Tyson for Cortez Currents. You're listening to 89.5 Cortez Radio CKTZ. This program was...